Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends where you found it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm my host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who loves sweeping the sunflower state, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Gerald, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, as a kid, I love sunflower seeds. The point I had to uh, had to go unsalted because the, all the salt was making my mouth raw. Uh, if I was playing baseball and tossing on my lip, it wasn't uh, it wasn't chewing tobacco, it wasn't bubble yum. It was a wad of sunflower seeds. Spit them all day. Hot take. Still go to the salad bar. No skips on the sunflower seeds. It's one of my top I don't know, five items. Uh, I love a sunflower seed. It enhances everything. It's delicious. Much like winning back to back over Kansas and Kansas State, sweeping. The Sunflower State was delicious for Texas football. Honestly, it's, it's been more difficult in recent years uh, than, than it probably should. But uh, they, they love to beat Texas, both of those schools. So I get it. You know, I like as somebody who just completed a road trip, like Sunflower Seeds is an elite road trip snack. Like it it almost serves the function of like what people use uh, smokeless tobacco for on road trips. Um, but for those of us that just prefer maybe a ranchy flavor instead of a wintergreen flavor, I don't know, whatever you're... Uh, like get the big bag from Bucky's, get yourself a nice tea. You're good to go, man. That sets you up for the. You get yourself a spitter, right? At Bucky's, set yourself up for for the uh, the trip between between Fort Worth. I always stop at the Texas Motor Speedway, uh, Bucky's. That's our spot. Uh, so hit that one. Get yourself a nice uh, thing of sunflower seeds and, and roll it down south. Gerald, have you ever had Trader Joe's as a dark chocolate sunflower seed butter cup? That's like a peanut butter Reese's type of thing, but it's a sunflower butter. In it, they're fantastic. I could eat the. It's a problem when those make their way into my house. Well, thankfully, um, you don't do the grocery shopping, so she can keep. Uh, she keeps spoiling you. We're not here to talk about uh, delectable snacks. We're here to talk about Bijan feasting on the Kansas defense. Big game from the Longhorns on the ground, pacing them to a massive win. Cats will hit that. We've got a big. Uh, down the 40 this week. Texas got a big win over Gonzaga over the weekend. The ladies struggled in Paradise Island. Basketball got a big recruiting pickup. And obviously the volleyball team continues their dominance over the conference. But we will start in the Icy Whites on the Icy Tundra. Absolutely put the boots to Kansas 55-14. to 14. Um People were upset two weeks ago. It's a week ago now that Bijan Robinson only got 12 touches. That did not happen in this game. Bijan got 25. The team overall rushed 57 times, a massive 57 to 22 rush to pass ratio in that one. Bijan for his trouble, conference player of the week for his career high 243 yards and four touchdowns. He had one called back. We're frustrated by that. It's fine. It's okay. It's all right. And then when they pulled him for the freshman, JB2K, uh, came in and actually did him uh, one-tenth of a yard better per carry. 11 rushes, 108 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, impressive, impressive showing um, from both the running backs. The the kind of two chief running backs this weekend. Roshan went out in the first half with an injury. was in street clothes. Uh, he said he was day-to-day. He's obviously going to try to go for senior night this weekend. But... Um, Bijan is the story, and you and I are also going to talk about the understudy, too. And, and Gerald, I'll clear out and let you have your space. I, I mean, I, I, folks have certainly heard whenever Jonathan Brooks does something, I say that's for Gerald. Um, to his credit, right? Like, we, we know for years I've just utterly dominated him in Potsdamas. Um, he's, he's doing well this year. We'll talk about that. Um, but to, to his credit, Gerald was early on the bandwagon on this one. He called this shot before some of the recruiting analysts did. Jonathan Brooks was going to be a dude in college. When he came to Texas, Gerald was ecstatic. And so this is this is Gerald's. We'll talk about that. But let's not bury the lead here, right? The way that Bijan buried the Jayhawks. I mean, it, it, like, 
9.7 yards per carry sounds like, you know, oh, he had 25 rushes. He probably broke a couple. He had a, a 76-yard touchdown and a 58. No, no. His longest run on the day was uh, was 32. Like, it, it and, and that was just because the end zone got in the way, right? Like, he could have kept going. Um, but, but his stats were just, he got the ball and he ran 10 yards, like, every time. Um, I think the team had 12 rushes of more than 10 yards. Bijan had, had a good chunk of those. I mean, he just... You couldn't be stopped for, for seven, eight yards. He, he got 10 and then, and then some, right? Like he, he was getting a lot of 20s, 25s, like just gashing the defense where it looked like he was going down. He would stiff arm somebody, break a tackle, shake a guy, and go for another 10 yards. Like he just, it looked like all the stuff we, we, we thought it would be. And, and I went on the, the uh, podcast with Andy Mitz, who's been on this show before and, and did a little preview. And Mitz was, was not confident they could stop Bijan, but he was convinced that you know, Devin Neal is, is Bijan Light, and so it'd be a battle of two running backs. And we'll talk about the defense. And that wasn't necessarily the case. But one of those players did come come to play and, and just utterly dominated. I mean, like, the, the, the thing you have to think about is if the Kansas offense was better, like we thought they might be, because they, they've been good, especially with Jalen Daniels. And, and Texas defense for the first half of the season probably didn't have, you know, th- this this type of game in the bag, right? Like maybe they did, but they seem like they're getting better. Um, if Kansas puts up 30 points in this one, you know, keeps it close. Uh, Bijan keeps running, right? Like he did all of this in, in basically, you know, two, two and one, one eighth quarters, right? Like he, he came out early in the third quarter. Um, he easily, easily could have broke 300 yards. He should have had five touchdowns. I mean, we're talking video game numbers at that point. Like it's, it's pretty crazy that he did this in a, in, in a half and, and did it, you know, pretty much standing up. He fumbled right at the beginning to scare us all. Uh, and then basically just didn't have any mistakes the rest of the game, not even close to mistakes. I mean, it, it was, and I, I admittedly uh, caught the second half on uh, TV. I listened to the first half with the dulcet tones of Craig Way, which honestly, not a bad way to go about listening to the game. But like, this is the, especially after a week where um, a certain running back from Fort Worth sat in the, uh, the visitors media room and said he was the best running back in the conference uh, for Bijan to come out and do this um, was absolutely a statement game. And this is part of why, like I will chase him off of campus, like Harry and the Hendersons chasing Bigfoot back into the woods, like get out of here, kid. Like I love you and Texas will be so much better for having you, but like you have nothing left to prove in a burn orange uniform, right? Like th- he is like, behind let's just be honest less than stellar offensive lines is going to finish his career behind like behind Ricky Cedric and Earl like if, if he leaves those are the three names that are ahead of him and if he had a Cedric or Ricky offensive line he probably would finish ahead of them uh, oh yeah and by the way the game doesn't run through the running backs anymore like the the performance he put on is like the cherry on top of his career and granted they've still got a Baylor team that sucks against the run uh, this week coming up. So like there could be another one of these in the bag. He's going to pass. He, he's 97 yards behind Jamal for the next spot. So like, he's going to finish uh, in the top five all time in rushing. Like there, there are, we're running out of superlatives. That's part of the reason why I want him to go. Cause like I'm running out of ways to, to laud this kid's excellence, right? Like there's no, t- and he's a good kid. Like, he's a good, solid guy. He takes care of his team. He takes care of his parent. Like there's just no, like, I don't know what else to say, but like watching some of the things that he did, like I remember um, in the second half, the way he like he it was a it was a zone to the right. He reversed field, made a couple of guys miss, and then did like that dead leg stop juke that he does, where he just oh there's a seam there, I'm gonna jump into it and go like house it. Like I like he does things with the football that shouldn't be possible, and I I just I I don't have any other way to say that Kyle. Yeah, I hope everyone like really enjoyed this one, and I hope everyone makes a point to watch the Baylor game, and then wherever we end up in a bowl, I hope you watch that because they asked him this week, and and reporters are going to ask, and Sark and Bijan, and everybody's just going to be coy, but like it's it's very extremely extremely unlikely that he returns, right? Like he's he's gone, and as Gerald said, you know, good good on him, but. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just savor it. Like, it's fun, man. I, I, I remember how much fun it was watching Cedric and Jamal and, you know, even, even Ricky as a, as a kid. Um, and, you know, 
a little bit of Priest Holmes, right? And, and, and what he did in the NFL. Like, those guys are fun. But, like, Bichon is, is really that dude. And, again, just the, like, the light and energy that comes from his, like, personality and his optimism. Like, he had a bad game against TC. We all know that. He didn't get the ball enough. Like, what did he do? He's like, all right, I'll just go get 250. How's that? Like, he's just... He seems like he's he might be the easiest player in the country to root for. Even if you're a rival fan base, you can't dislike him. Like you just can't. He's he's fun on the field and he's a good dude off of it, as Gerald said. But Gerald <laughs> why are we wasting all this space? Let's clear out a little bit here. Talk about Jonathan Brooks, man. Your your boy. Looking like the future. Looking like it's gotta be okay if Bijan does head to uh uh, Sunday or pastures and and before we before we get to that I do like when we have this rushing conversation we have to give the offensive line their flowers too. Texas did not have a run go for negative yardage until three minutes into the fourth quarter Texas was held without a tackle a, a run for loss that 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 stat was with the, the freshman the backup group. all freshman you know yeah. offensive line the, yeah the start the starters did not allow a single rush for negative yards, right? Like that. And that is a big part of why Bijan had the game. He was because Texas was absolutely dominant in their trenches on both sides of the ball. And we'll talk about um, the, the run defense here in just a minute, but like, um, like the, the offensive line played lights out and I'm just spinning it forward. Thinking about next year and two years from now, how good this unit has the opportunity to be. But the guy that's going to be running behind them, at least for another year or two, Jonathan Brooks came in in relief and showed off that like, Texas will probably be all right if Bijan does do the inevitable and announce that he is going uh, to the NFL. Like Jonathan Brooks came in and acquitted himself really, really well. Uh, I I could see this being as like a one one A situation with him and Keelan Robinson next year, just because Keelan is so uh, different and and does so many different things. I um we saw what the future can be, and I think a a more of a when Texas when the offensive line is to the point where Sark doesn't have to run uh, two tight end sets and run twelve personnel so much, uh, I could see Texas going to twenty one personnel a lot and having both of them on the field and really uh, making defenses account for two different guys that could do two different things. Because Keelan, you know, he he uh, had that little pop pass for seventeen yard like that that quick. Uh, it technically was a reception, but it was more a run uh, than anything. But he had a touch. He got it. He scored off of it he scored off of it multiple times this year like that to me is what the offense can look like when it's optimized and when uh, the offensive line is playing like it's got two five stars anchoring it and some really high four stars between them yeah Keelan Robinson is a guy I really hope comes back because I think he can be um he can be even more showcased next year right like what we've seen him do is have incredible explosion like on that touchdown uh, catch you know gets the ball just needs a yard of space and then he hits it so hard like sometimes in the backfield waiting for a play to develop is is not always his, his strength like getting him the ball with a chance just to go um and you also see that on special teams right where he blocks uh punts and 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 covers you know like he he, he does a lot um and kick re- kick returns like he's he's an athlete and i, I want to see him more featured but it will be keelan and the, and the killer bees right with with brooks blue Who's back there? And then Baxter, don't don't count out Seti B. Uh, Cedric Baxter coming in, looking like you know a guy who could play day one. So they're they're going to be all right there. Um, Gerald, we didn't pass the ball a lot in this one because we just talked a lot about the running back. Fifty-seven rushes to twenty-two passes. Um, one of those was Hudson Card who got in late. Um, I mean, a lot of backups got in, in the third quarter, which is an awesome game. We love to see that. Um, but Ewers didn't wasn't asked to do too much. One hundred and seven yards passing, one TD. What do you think about that? I mean, people said he should get his CDL last week, so I think this fits that he was a bus driver on uh, on Saturday. No, I think he needed to be a game manager. He needed to not screw it up. This was not going to be a game to showcase his arm. It was cold. It was windy. Uh, there was a spot. I think the best pass between him and Xavier Worthy was actually an incompletion. Um, that that catchable deep ball, it floated a little bit. I think they were going with the wind at that point, and so the ball floated a little bit. X went up for it, high-pointed high it. That's the most aggression I think we've seen out of Xavier Worthy post Alabama. Bama um, high pointing that ball and really just couldn't get a foot down. It was a really uh, incredible acrobatic move from him. Um, Quinn Ewers was not asked to do a lot, and I'm fine with that. He probably will have more to do this weekend in Austin, and I think Texas will try to get him out of the regular season on a high note. But uh, I mean, this was not, I mean, we did not say Quinn Ewers' name for, for good or for ill this week, and I think that finally feels good right because it's been uh, cussing his name the last couple of weeks so him coming out and just being the game manager being 
I can't think of a not like being Joe Flacco, for lack of a better term, uh, in some of those in some of those Baltimore teams uh, was fine. It's what he was asked in the operating the offense and kind of let Bijan do Bijan things. Nearly half his targets went to Jordan Whittington. He ended up with six catches for 56 and again, nine targets on the day. Um, Jatavian Sanders wasn't involved in this one. I, I, it just wasn't in the game plan. I, I, I wonder if you'll see uh, Sanders get a little more involved this week coming up against, uh, against Baylor uh, as Ewers gets more involved. I, I could see both of their numbers kind of going up in, 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 uh, in harmony there. I did like to see uh, Savion Red getting a catch there from Card. Looks like he could be a player again for the future as well. A little bit raw, but has a lot. Uh, to offer so exciting not a, not a lot to report in the offense it was pretty much give it to Bijan and then hey guess what give it to Jonathan and both of those things work and if it ain't broke don't fix it right uh, or as I believe Charles Oakley said if it ain't broke don't break it um, so uh, yeah I mean the offense was a well-oiled machine they, they quickly got to like 500 yards just pounding the rock and that's what we asked for we said we can run the ball we can have tempo like we can do all those things but just keep pounding the rock you don't get it on first down. You don't get the yards you want. Try to get on second, third. We punted once. It went 23 yards. Like, okay, we'll go for it on fourth if we need to. Um, just keep pounding it. And they did, in credit to Sark, like, didn't try to outthink himself. The recipe was was feed five. Sark cooked the dish to perfection. So flipping the side to the defense, um, I, would ju- I just have a simple question for you, Kyle, and, and I hope you have a good answer for it. What happened to the fire PK crowd? <laughs> uh, I think they're they moved over to Mastodon because I don't see them on Twitter. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't I don't know Gerald. I don't know where um, they've they've been a bit quiet. Um, Sark talked in his presser today with kind of a, an eerie, not eerie. I'll, I'll say, but when when asked about Patterson, said you know of course we'd welcome back with open arms, but I expect uh, Gary to do what's best for his career. But you know he's been fantastic for us. All those things, which made it sound like it might be. Uh, a one-year layover where Patterson might be off somewhere else. But you know what that means? PK is still going to be here. We've, we've seen a defense develop. Guys like Jalen Ford, you know, pretty much any player in this system, right? All the interior linemen develop with having the same coach, the same coordinator. Like, it's amazing how seniors, seniors with the same system in multiple years, see a step up like every other school in the country. Like, if you're asking to fire coordinators and coaches, it better be because they've done Jimbo Fisher levels of ineptitude. Like, give people a bit of time here, and, and the results seem good. So, yes, you're right, Gerald. Uh, kudos to PK. I mean, they, they had an absolute winner last week. Again, it's a shame that they didn't get credit for that. They should be talking about how they schemed up a defense to upset TCU and then, you know, just dominated Kansas. Like, that, they, they were great um, in, in this game. They really didn't give up much of, of anything. Um, there was one targeting a Jackson on, on DTD, which was the correct call. Um, but, you know, otherwise that drive aside, which ended in a missed field goal, they were like perfect in the first half. They were they were great, you know, when all the starters were in. Only late did, did Kansas even get any points in, in any yards. So um, didn't expect Jalen Daniels to be back. I mean, maybe, maybe they prepared for that eventuality. Um, I recorded the podcast, I think, on Wednesday night or Thursday night uh, with, uh, with the Kansas folks. And they said, even then, they were like, you know, maybe this might be a game where Jalen Daniels, you know, can can finally come back. He's not actually, you know, for sure out for the year. And, and he's been an emergency option the past two weeks, but hasn't even sniffed the field. Maybe, just maybe. But even then, right, this was, you know, I think they announced in the pregame up on the, uh, on the Jumbotron, someone reported uh, that they, they announced Bean as the starter. So this... You know, that could have been something that really threw Texas for a loop, a little bit of games, gamesmanship there, because Jalen Daniels hadn't lost a game this year when he started the game and finished the game, basically played all four quarters without getting hurt. Uh, he hadn't lost. So it could have been where that threw a wrench and he came out and, and the defense wasn't ready, but they looked ready. They looked ready all, all the way through. And I think, to me, the, the story, once again, I think is the run defense, because we talked a lot in the preview about how Kansas runs this kind of shotgun triple option and wants to run the ball, and Texas gave up 104 net yards. Like, that, to me, is the story right there, is that the, the Texas run defense, again, answered the call. Four times this year, Kansas has been held under uh, 200 yards, and this was the second worst of those performances, just edged out by 56 yards against Baylor. And, and like... Two times this year, Texas has held a team without a rushing touchdown. The other one was OU, which barely counts, right? So, like, this is a 
I think the biggest and, and like looking at it from a macro level, but like we're talking micro against Kansas, the, the defense was lights out, but like just like back out a little bit on how good the, the run defense has been this year. Uh, I put this in the inside the numbers piece over the weekend, but if Texas gives up the school record rushing yardage against Baylor, 734 yards. They will still be 300 yards better than last year. That is that is how good the run defense has been this year. They could literally give up more than 700 yards and still edge out last year's regular season by 300 yards. The turnaround has been real, and I think we've seen it, uh, especially it's been emblematic these last two weeks in the run defense. Yeah, I mean, I think when we talked about last year's issues and, and, and why they couldn't perform in the second half, and we talked about complimentary football, a lot of times it was, you know, the defense getting left out there for periods, but it was also the defense giving up gash plays through the ground, like giving up a bunch of big plays on the ground. They just really, truly haven't. Their tackling's been so much better. They swarmed the ball so much better. Their linebacker play has been infinitely better. Jalen Ford came on at the beginning of last year and, or end of last year, and I think we all said he could be the breakout player. I mean, it's legitimately... Jalen Ford versus everybody else. There's maybe two other guys you could you could make cases for. Um, both the, the the primary pass rusher at Tech and and uh, Kansas State, right? And and how you want to um, how you want to factor in sacks versus other things. But Jalen Ford had another interception in this one. You know, Jalen Daniels really hasn't turned Kansas in general hasn't turned the ball over, um, but came up with an interception in this one. He's he's you know third in the in the conference as a linebacker in interceptions he's had game winning fumble recoveries game ceiling interceptions in the end zone like you know one of the best tacklers in the conference he just really has stepped up and, and it was it, it was it was really nice to see uh you know complimentary on the own defense right there was other guys flying to the ball uh, Maurice Blackwell had six tackles had a big one on third Let's down go Mo. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. I mean, he's he's a safety linebacker hybrid kind of player. I'd be curious to see where his career goes uh, on this defense, but you know he can hit. He's been all over on special teams. Like, he can hit hard. Um, six tackles in this one, including one that was a tackle for loss on a third down play. Um, Alfred Collins came up big on a fourth down play, shot through and got a tackle for loss. Uh, he was PFF's top-graded defensive player for the horns um i mean there, there were a lot of people baron sorrell continued to look like a guy who can get pressure um after his kind of breakout against tcu um jaron thompson continues to 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 play pretty well back there it's been the kind of jade baron getting most of the praise for our safeties but i thought um you know it was good to see thompson get uh some plays as well it just felt like a whole defensive performance that really de- like Devin Neal to, to give some praise was coming off a stretch of games as good as is any player in the country, right? 224 and 190 uh, in his last two games rushing. We talked about in our preview, um, but but 7.9 yards per carry and 7.0 yards per carry in his two previous games. And they talked about that on the broadcast. What they didn't mention is he also had 10 catches for 118 yards in that stretch. I mean, he was manufacturing offense by himself the past two weeks, just being an absolute monster. 14 touches for 50 yards, right? I mean, it... it he wiggled through for a 15-yarder. Other than that, Texas pretty much just had him contained. And I think not letting Daniels, though he scrambled well to extend plays, but not letting him beat them uh, with the kind of scramble and, and the type of throws on third downs and those things, and then not letting a running back loose. I mean, they just they strangled that Kansas offense. That has given every team they face problems. Like, at first it was a fluke. But even with, with Daniels out and being in there, they have been giving every team in the Big 12 trouble they're a legitimately good offense in texas you know pretty much pitched a shutout with the starters yeah and i think that that to me again the defense was lights out and i think they got they got it done on fourth downs they were or third downs they got it done on fourth downs like i I, of all the ways i saw this game going i didn't necessarily see it feeling like I don't know, 2011 Kansas versus Texas, right? I mean, it was, I don't know, what year was that? One of the random beatings that Texas has put on Kansas in the past. And and frankly, and this is going to sound elitist and terrible, but like this is kind of what Texas fans expect when Texas plays Kansas, right? And, and it's it's simply a talent thing. I was listening to uh, the Split Zone duo, Hurry Up, this morning, and like 
part of what this game was was just a simple fact that like the athletes at Texas are just better than the athletes in uh, at Kansas and that's that's when when Texas plays up and Kansas doesn't play outside of its mind like this is the result that I think Texas fans really want to see speaking of results that people the people want to see Kyle I pulled ahead in the Podstradamus race, 14 to 13, just to update you, Kyle predicted that Texas, the Texas offense would go better than four, or 43% or better on third downs. He hit on that one. Texas, weirdly, in a good defensive performance, did not have two sacks. He swooped in, stole my sack one, and um, he, he got he got bit for it, Kyle. I feel like I, I appreciate you saying it for myself. Kansas hadn't given up many sacks. I was going out on a limb. I also didn't know Jalen Daniels was going to be back, and he eluded <laughs> yeah. a lot. So, you know, that was a tough one on me. You got Bijan more than 20 carries. I think we both were for sure uh, that that was going to happen. You also got a greater than 27 and a half kick return on the last kick return of the game garbage time, which is great. You also got it. And you texted me to, to claim your, your victory. You also had it on a punt return that was longer than 13 already. So um, in the in the first half, I think maybe uh, Xavier Worthy had one. I think Milton also had one. They had two punt returns over 13. I think they had a, a 15 and like a 22. So uh, you got it. You got it three times over. Good for you. I got my 43% or better, and it's worded specifically because they hit 43%. So uh, I did it like Vegas, baby. To be fair, I was willing to miss on that second pod Stradamus if just Kansas never kicked off. Yeah, I was totally fine. Fair. If Kansas had one kickoff and it was a fair catch, I texted that to you. We're at a rest stop. Yeah. I texted you that. Like, I'm fine with that. But uh, so Texas is back in the top 25, barely at number 24. They'll host Baylor on Black Friday. We had some technical issues with our post-game live stream this week. Restream just decided to um, not work for, for Kyle, and that's okay. It's fine. Uh, so we'll be back this weekend with our post-game live stream, uh, hopefully celebrating a Texas win over the Baylor Bears. So that's the part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus and we down uh, the 40. Number 11, men's basketball. The mood was right. The vibes were strong. And Texas absolutely dominated Gonzaga 93-74. to 74. Frankly, I had some PTSD from last year's trip to Washington, but didn't play it out that way. Honestly, it planned out, played out almost like the reverse of that. Texas was absolutely on a heater. Tyrese Hunter uh, filled up the bucket like it was going out of style. Um, I don't know if Texas is going to be able to, and I say that, right, like, Texas didn't really shoot all that well from from three point range, thirty nine percent. But it felt like it felt like seventy percent in a lot of spots. Um, and Tyrese Hunter was absolutely this is like bright, like lights out from beyond the arc. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a um, there's been an interesting narrative, right? They won the game. It was beautiful. It was perfect. Everyone understands it's one of the most fun Texas basketball games to watch. I hope everybody watched it. The atmosphere was great. Uh, they, they played really well. I mean, Gonzaga played really well. Like, like start, start this by saying the number two team in the country went on the road and played a really good game. They put up exactly what the numbers they put up. They expect to win that game more often than not. Um, you know, they were 50% shooting, 47% from deep. It's not like they messed up at free throws, 15 or t- from, for 21. Uh, they had nine offensive rebounds. They, they played very good. Texas just played better. Texas didn't fluke. It wasn't a you know a weird thing. They just flat out beat them. Um, now you'll some people the, the narrative I was seeing after the game was well you can't expect Texas to shoot like that. But like Gerald said, I mean it feels like a hundred percent because they had been really bad their first two games. So we'll, we'll kind of find out. Are they a team that shoots forty percent from deep? Are they a team that shoots fifteen percent from deep? I bet they'll probably average and they'll probably land as a team somewhere around 33, 35, and that's fine if they could keep. 39 to 40% as a team, that will be very good. Um, and, and that will, you know, with as, as athletic as they are, and this year they look like they're going to be running a little bit. They actually won the fast break uh, points 12 to 2, which is fantastic. Um, the, you know, the, I mean, the, yeah, the, the, this, this looks like a good team without a lot of flaws. They handled a big man, right? Like in the past it was – how do they handle a big man? And, and this was a very specific one because he's a back-to-the-basket post-up kind of player. Brilliant game plan. Instead of trying to to beat Timmy, which not many teams in the country can do once he has the ball, they just really, really focus on keeping the ball out of his hands, really like um, not allowing any handoffs, not allowing any easy entries when he 
was there, you know, doubling when he got to the paint, bringing multiple guys, making him a passer. Um, they, they did some really good things. They, they executed really well. I mean, it was an 18 and 9. It was not a bad night for him, but it did feel like where the rest of the team couldn't step up. And, and the, to me, the story of this game was Texas had 17 assists to only 10 turnovers. Gonzaga had 10 assists to 20 turnovers, and Texas turned that because of their fast breaking into 27 to 7 advantage in points off turnovers. So this was an electric game. There were great dunks. There was good defense. They were hitting threes. Like you said, five of eight from Tyrese Hunter, who just seemed locked, locked in, had a little bit of an ankle thing, but he's clearly okay. Um, this was good. I mean, this this was a game that we had been waiting a long time for uh, as fans. Like, uh, you know, the better part of the Kansas game last year in, in the fog was great, uh, admittedly, but like beyond that, uh, it's been a decade since it's just like, whoa, we had a big game and we played and we won. And it wasn't even like a nail-biter win, like, which those are fun too. We dominated. We looked like the better team. It's the reason our number went from 11 to 4 and theirs went from 2 to 6. I mean, really, really well played. Kudos to Chris Beard fan and that staff. Fantastic game plan. Well executed. Players made shots. Players made plays. Just fantastic all the way around. So, like Kyle's mentioned, Texas moved up to number four in the AP poll. Gonzaga uh, stayed at number or fell, but stayed in the top ten. Landed at number six after uh, putting the boots to Kentucky. Uh, Texas, at the time of recording, leads Northern Arizona seventy-one to forty-four out in the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, they'll also take on UT Rio Grande Valley uh, on Saturday to wrap up the Leon Black Classic. Sticking with the basketball team. The rich get richer, and Chris Beard continues to pay recruiting dividends. Texas signed 2023 five-star point guard, number 14 in the country, A.J. Johnson, combo guard out of Southern California Academy, a 2023 recruit, 6'5", 160. Uh, I, I like the composite ranking for him because it kind of filters through the noise. Four, uh, 14 or Number 15 nationally in the 247 sports composite. Um, that 2023 class is uh, getting spicy. Yeah, I mean, they, they already had Ron Holland locked up. This was the highest-rated uncommitted... Windmills! The highest-rated uncommitted player in the country. There wasn't a top 30 player besides A.J. Johnson who hadn't, you know, who wasn't committed somewhere. So either you're going to try to flip a top player or you were coming after him. Everyone in the country, right? Like, one of the best point guards uh, in the country. Um, so it's a big win for, for, for Beard. And... I mean, you talk about these five-star guys, right? Beard likes a mix of guys who get the culture, who stick around for a while. But you see what Dylan Mitchell did, right? In that last game, uh, he had led the team in rebounds with, with nine rebounds, but also eight points, and all of his points were just absolutely electric highlight reel dunks that blew the roof off Moody. And I, I think if you're a five-star guy and you see that, like one of the knocks on, on, on Beard is sometimes because he likes to build culture and he plays a defense first, um, is that, you know, are you really going to go there and, and, and get drafted? And, and it looks like the answer is clearly yes, right? They, they signed two of the best players in the country in this class. Kentucky has an utterly sick class, like just disgusting how good their class is for next year. If it wasn't for that, I'm sure a lot more people would be talking about what Texas is starting to put together with uh, one of the best forwards in the country and now one of the best point guards in the country, two five stars. So we'll see if they add any more pieces to this class. Um, it is in the signing period. So he's already put in his uh, NLI. So it's uh, he, he's ready to come to 40 acres. Locked it down. Let's bring him home to the mood. Windmills for everyone. Number one volleyball clinches their sixth consecutive big 12 title. Did it with a three, nothing win over Kansas, and then a three, one win over number 15 Baylor. It was, it was an exciting win over Baylor. Texas went 25 to 19 in the first set, then dropped the second one, 19 to 25, won 25 to 23 in sets three and four to take it. See, uh, senior night for several Longhorns of names. You probably uh, recognize Sage Guy and Iana Torres, Logan Eggleston uh, among them. Eggleston in her final performance, uh, regular season at least performance at the Greg had 14 kills and close the match out uh with her final her 14th kill of the night yeah and, and uh zoe fleck also in there and kayla caffey two transfers uh fleck who's really made herself indisposable and one of the best players in the nation 
uh, Kathy, who's a great middle blocker herself, and then Jenna Ewart and and uh, and the others you mentioned. It really, really great class that's leaving um, there. Uh, I mean, a legend in Logan Eggleston. So great to see her get that. But you know who was who a protege right behind her? One of the one of her uh, biggest competition in the country for the best uh, outside hitter. That's right, Madison Skinner. On the other side, 16 kills, 8 digs, 1 assist, 1 block. Molly Phillips was great in this one. 14 kills, uh, hit 414 in that match. Next one up for Texas uh, is Madison Skinner. Next one up for uh, the Longhorns. They're heading to Morgantown to take on the West Virginia Mountaineers, uh, the final match of the regular season. The opening round of the NCAA tournament starts December 1st. Texas will likely have a really uh, favorable draw. I don't anticipate them being anything other than the one seed in that tournament, maybe the two seed, but uh, I, I don't see them being anything other than the one, and that's Fine. Half tonight, cross country becomes the 20th cross country All American in school history with his, with his finish uh, at the NCAA cross country tournament this weekend. Yeah, the team finished 18th overall, um, and it's their second straight top 20 finish, 21st time in program history. Also of note, because they finished in that top 25. Those are Director's Cup points we're talking about, Gerald. So um, love to see that. Uh, women finished 34 first, so a little bit probably outside of the Director's Cup, but again, an improvement for them to get to Nationals. They are moving in the right direction. They had an one runner qualify individually last year. This year, they qualified as a team. So the next step is to break into that top 25, just keep incrementally getting better. Uh, congratulations to both those teams. I, also, by the way, Gerald, how have we never talked about it? Half Two Night sounds like some comic book character maybe in the in the batman universe i don't know or or, or a a marvel um spinoff I, I i don't know i don't know half two night just sounds like it's something help me out here comic book i mean you've got moon knight you know who has been uh prevalent as of late i think uh we could talk about this in uh in godzilla tron on Thursday, but but Marvel is going to move into a, a spookier direction. So Half Two Night could definitely be a member of the uh, the Midnight Suns or something. We'll talk about that on Thursday. Paradise Island has been anything but for the women's basketball team without Rory Harmon. Goes one and two on the weekend, falls to Marquette and Louisville before before. Uh, let's just be honest, kind of getting a little bit of anger out and blasting Rutgers, eighty two to forty four. Yeah, Leah Moore was consistent in, in all three of these games. Um, Double-digit points. She had a, a double-double, a career-high 21 against Louisville, which was a top-six matchup, um, or top-five top matchup, I guess, between those two. Um, Amina Muhammad led, us, led scoring in, in the Rutgers game, where they basically had four players with uh, 13 at least, and Rutgers didn't have a single player in double figure. So good to get that out, but ultimately... Uh, it was tough. It was a tough island trip, right? They Marquette got kind of the shocker. They they led pole to pole and out they they outscored them by six in the final uh, quarter and they won by seven. So I mean it was close, but it was it was Marquette's game. The Louisville game. They, there was a couple runs back and forth, but Louisville looked a better team. I think all of this is ca- couched in the fact that Rory Harmon uh, is still out, and I think until she comes back. You see both not only the offense, but also the defense struggle a little bit. Shayla Gonzalez has been a little bit less than 100%. She's kind of been the primary ball handler. You turn Sonia Morris when both of them are off the floor into your ball handler, but she's also been your primary scorer from the outside. So it's it's a little bit... Rory unlocks a lot of things when she comes back. And again, she's just simply one of the best point guards in the country. So uh, eagerly awaiting. Don't, don't overreact too much, but you, know, you could see Texas fall out of the rankings, right? It, maybe the Rutgers win keeps them in the 20s, um, but, you know, three straight losses, one to number four Louisville, one to a top five UConn team, but the Marquette one, you know, it's just three in a row is tough to swallow. So we'll see how the polls shake out for them, but they'll be fine. Vic teams play um, in, in March anyways, but, you know, it, it was not the the Love Island um, that, that your wife and my wife like to watch. This was, or maybe it was, maybe, maybe it was kind of awful. <laughs> I don't know about your wife, but my wife watches it for the train wrecks as much as she does the actual. So maybe it was. Maybe it's an apropos uh, analogy. 
Texas falls to two and three on the year, but probably should get back to 500 over the weekend as they take on Princeton Sunday. You can catch it on the Longhorn Network. And then finally, Kyle, I hate I hate ending with this one, but uh, after a, a really magical season, the soccer team falls to Duke in Durham 1-0. It was a defensive slugfest. The only goal of the game came in the 88th minute. Texas keeper. Stopped 19 shots in this one, had one dribble past her, but that is a Herculean effort for uh, the keeper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, uh, we knew it was going to be tough when they got a seven seed and they had to go to Duke. Really tough draw. Again, I think they got shafted pretty hard with, with, with they that. They did. But, um, I mean, it's an 88th minute goal. This was, this was even though Duke had, had more shots, it was a 0 0 match. The entire time, I know some of you are tuning in to watch the World Cup, and maybe you don't watch a lot of soccer, but you're thinking about it. Maybe you watched the United States game today. Um, you know, the goals that, that happened in minute two and the goals that happened in minute 88 count the same, but kind of like the Gareth Bale late goal, those late ones are just a heartbreaker. They just really, truly are. So, um, hate that the season ends, but, you know, went out to a really good team in, in, in a valiant performance, and uh, though they're losing some, some key seniors and super seniors, the core of that team is a really, really good youth push, and so uh, we'll see how they uh, how they shape up next season. But I think they built a good foundation where you had records set by Lexi Missimo all-time uh, assists, Trinity Byers all-time goals. I mean, they they uh, they have a good foundation here, and that we're sad for the season to end. We're we're, we're proud of this team without a doubt, and the step forward Texas soccer uh, has taken this season. Those ladies absolutely uh, battle, and we love seeing um, their continued success. And again, uh, we'll be back next year. I think Texas is not going anywhere. Based on recruiting, Texas is not going anywhere anytime soon. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, whether it's one or two, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? You know, Gerald, I'm going to start with a stat boy um, correction. We didn't we didn't talk much about uh, a couple guys in that Gonzaga game because we were so pleased with the overall performance. But I don't want Brock Cunningham to be missed. My guy put in seven points in the steal in the span of a minute uh, to close out that first half against Gonzaga, and he deserves a little shout-out. So shines on, on Brock Cunningham. Uh, and then the kind of combo of coming come, – Cunningham, uh, Dylan DeSue, and, and Christian Bishop, who guarded Timmy. I think they all did a great job and deserve a little praise to be called out specifically for Bishop. Nine points, two steals in that one. DeSue, 12 points, including two or four for threes in 13 minutes. Got in a little foul trouble, but uh, you know, he looks like the player we thought he was. And then uh, Serge Ivory Rice is the other guy I wanted to talk about. Just He plays winning basketball in ways that don't always show up on the statute. Just a guy I... I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure. Everyone talked about him like they liked him a lot, but I, I didn't understand necessarily why. But after watching him play, I just love everything he does on the basketball court. So I'll pause there and move now to my, my bang the drum. And I'll keep it simple, Gerald. L-O-L-O-L-O-L. Lo-lo-lo-lo-lo-lo-lo. Laugh out loud. That's not lots of love, LOL, uh, for my mom reading AIM messages in, in, in fifth grade. Um, no, this is... This is just just hearty laughs for the the fight in Texas A and M Aggies. They they did have a highlight this weekend, and I'm excited for them. They they got to watch shirtless guys do um, marathons, you know, relay races around Kyle Field because there were so few fans. They could literally hand a shirt around the entire field unimpeded. Um, I believe credits to to Kyle Umlang who talked about um, they are the one twelfth man because after a half there was maybe like two thousand people like I, I I'm positive there's Kyle, no- there there were ninety thousand people in that stadium what do you mean <laughs> I'm not gonna make any jokes about any political rallies and 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 official attendance numbers or anything um, but yeah I mean they it was it was a tough um, it was a tough showing but it was a win right we have to be excited for them they they they've had. Some tough games, um, and they got to beat UMass. They must be good. They're a state school, the University of Massachusetts. Um, that's where the, the New England Patriots are, are at. They should, they should be good, right? No? Um, UMass is undoubtedly the worst FBS school. Like, they, 
they are worse than a good chunk of the FCS schools. They're probably somewhere around the 350th best football team in the country. Like, I'm not exaggerating. They, they are really, really bad. Uh, Jason Kirk over at Shutdown Fullcast kind of keeps a tally each year of, you know, who historically performs as the worst team and is, you know, like close to all-time worst. And uh, UMass was an early contender, and other people have found wins places or done okay. Um, but not UMass. Nope. They're, they're, they're the worst. Um and and A and M doesn't they don't score a lot of points this year with Jimbo as their offensive coordinator and, and I'm just gonna read out a couple schools scoring against UMass that's Toledo got 55 Liberty 42 Tulane 42 Arkansas State um, 35 Buffalo 34 Temple 28 Yukon 27 New Mexico State 23 Eastern Michigan 20 so they're tied with Texas A and M as the lowest amount of points given up by UMass this year with 20. Texas A&M fighting for Eastern Michigan as a school that is in a state that produces football players where there is one big state school that's just University of, insert that state, that's much better than them. Uh, University of Michigan, University of Texas, Eastern Michigan, Texas A&M. That's a, that's a good enough comparison uh, for me. So I will just leave it there that, man... Jimbo, God, this this has gone better than I could have expected. Like, this is just so good. Vandy won this week, so Texas A&M is the worst last place SEC team. They're absolutely last. But as, as Texas fans know, right, when you move on to the next season and you start rooting for it, and Texas A&M got off to a start of 2-0 against Louisiana Monroe and ACU. So they were probably... Oh, no, Gerald, I'm looking at it now. No, then they lost their next two to Murray State and Colorado. So, and they lost their ranking in basketball, too. Two consecutive sports that they started ranked, and they're, they're going to be bad. Uh, oh, man, this, this, this is a great sports year. If somehow Aggie baseball starts top five and, and only wins like 15 games all year, it, it proves that, that the Lord has a sense of humor and he, he loves laughing at the Aggies. Do you remember when the Aggies were thumping their chests that Jimbo, Buzz, and Schloss were going to be the best three uh, coaches of the big three sports? And um, not only is that not true, but uh, A&M is the only thing A&M has been good at this year is meat judging. And I mean that literally. They won a meat judging national championship. Um, but like the... The Texas women's basketball team is going to be better than them. Texas baseball team is probably going to be better than them. Like there is, there is a lot of um, a lot of egg on the face of a, of an agriculture school, which I think uh, completely, completely fits. So I'm banging the drum this week on uh, something that we've talked about already. But like, I just want to I, I want to pause and talk about um, Bijan Robinson and like I, I just I was I was just thinking I had, was on a long drive this week and I was thinking like how absolutely lucky Texas fans are to have a kid like that um, if you don't remember Texas backed off of Zach Evans who was at the time uh, competing with Bijan for the number one running back in the country it just went all in on Bijan Robinson to under previous running back coach Dan Drayton. Stan Drayton um, has been was was a big game hunter in the running backs. He was also a chief evaluator. He the apocryphal story I think at this point is that a staffer showed him Jonathan Brooks's tape once and he said, "Yeah, offer the kid." Uh, so like there there is that to be uh, had. But uh, this is the last time we're probably going to get to see Bijan Robinson play at DKR. And I think as someone who has had the opportunity to be a Texas fan for. Ricky Williams and Cedric Benson and Jamal Charles and Vince Young is even in there. Obviously, when you talk about um, all-time greats and Colt McCoy and like the, I could go on and on and on and on. I like when I think about a statesman for the university. Like I don't know if there's been one better than than the kid that is Bijan Robinson. Not only is he an absolutely incredible athlete, will be the top running back taken off the draft, just an all-time generational talent, but like. He's a great dude from all accounts. Like he is out there, he is involved in the community. He's using his NIL opportunities to to help you know help local charities and like he's he's a guy who his teammates love. He bought Luke Casey bags for the offensive linemen. Like just doing all of the right things. Um, and in a world where it's really easy to become jaded about athletes and about heroes and you see um, movie stars and athletes and all these people that that we kind of idolize and put on pedestals um, fall regularly you want to be careful to never put somebody up on that pedestal but like 
in my mind, like if you think of a statesman and an exemplar of what we want to be at the University of Texas, like you cannot, I, I cannot think of a better example uh, of what it means to be a Longhorn and a Longhorn legend and what we want this university to stand for excellence on and off the field than B. John Robinson. It's so easy to, to imagine you're the big man on campus, the phrase, you're you know, a superstar. Everyone knows your name. You're, you, you have an NFL career ahead of you. You go to the University of Texas. You get, you know, luxury car deals. Everything is handed to you on a silver platter. It's very easy to think about that person being the biggest jerk in the world. Like, you throw on from years of where that could have been true at any school, especially at UT, and then you throw, like, large sums of money with NIL into it. Like there's no reason that he should be as nice and as good a human being as he is. Like there is not a single person on campus who has a single negative story. And I I know everyone loves their star player, but like, you're always like, everyone knows Michael Crabtree, you know, uh, took a cut of all the weed deals that happened in Lubbock while he was there. Everyone knows that. Um, Like everyone has a story about like, yeah, we love him, but like, he's kind of a jerk. Um, no one, there's literally never been a single negative thing said about Bijan the human. Like, I don't even think many have had anything to say about Bijan the player, but Bijan the human, you're right, might be even more impressive than, you know, a, a Doak Walker uh, favorite uh, and, and all-time uh, great in, in, in Bijan. And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? As long as it exists, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carver. You can also follow the Texas pregamer at Texas pregame. Follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. And shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back on Thursday for our final regular season preview show. We'll be previewing the matchup with the Baylor Bears, the hated Baylor Bears. And then we'll be back following the game with a post-game live stream on Friday, not Saturday. Remember, Friday game this week. Thanks so much for tuning in again, and until next time, hook them. Hook them. Texas is a basketball school. Watch out, Kansas. Kansas.